to be in the house of God today. Come on. Yeah. I tell you what, I see uh, Elliot McKinney out there. He got a great report this week. We've been praying and believing God for that. I think we should give the Lord some praise for that. Come on. It's good to see you, brother. I love that. And I tell you, it's an honor to have the ponders in the house of the Lord today. Come on. Let's give it up for them. We just want to honor you guys. I love y'all, man. It's good to have you in the house of God today. Um, so I haven't preached in a long time, amen? <laughs> I can lead worship with my eyes shut. I just, it's so natural and so easy for me. But I used to preach all the time. I actually loved uh, bringing the word. And so uh, you guys pray for me today. I'm excited. I really do believe that the Lord's given me uh, a word from him today for the body of Christ. And so um, pray for me as I speak this. I, um, the title of this message is The Great Disconnect. I put on your bulletin, there's six points on the back. Um, I want you to, if you have your bulletin, if you have a pen, you're going to need it. I want you to write down uh, six or seven points, I don't know, something like that. Um, but it's called The Great Disconnect. And specifically, I want to talk to you about a demonic spirit that is just running absolutely rampant in the earth. Now, listen to me. This is nothing new. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. This is, it's not like this has just started and it's never happened before. I'm telling you, this has been happening since the beginning. But I do believe that there has been an increase in this demonic spirit's reign in the earth right now. I believe specifically in the United States of America, it started escalating uh, on 9-11. The, it, the spirit I'm talking about is fear. Fear is running rampant in our nation. If you turn the news on, what do you get? You get fear. If you turn the radio on, I mean, like, so just a true story. Pastor Jeff, he listens to no music in his car, which I just don't understand at all. But he does listen to talk radio, okay? And so AM, you know what I'm saying? Like, it sounds horrible. I don't even know how that's still legal. But one day, I was like, you know, I'm going to turn that on. So I turned on talk radio. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I must be getting old. Like, I have talk radio on in my car. But you know what its message was? Fear, pretty much. And I was like, yep, that's enough of that. AM radio, you're out, just like you needed to be. <laughs> But in the midst of this unleashing of this demonic spirit in the earth, how many of you know that God has called you, God has called me to run a race? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God has called me to run a race. Hebrews 12.1 should be up here. says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, don't you just wonder, what does that mean, a great cloud of witnesses? Do you, do you ever wonder if heaven is like the grandstands around the earth shouting to the people of God, go, go, you can do it? I don't know, but it's an interesting thought. So great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that he has set before us. So... We're called to run a race. I believe we can do that victoriously. And my goal is that by the end of this message today, 
we would have the spiritual ears and eyes to recognize this demonic spirit in our lives and our family's lives and be able to cut it off at the head in the name of Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would be from you. Lord, I pray that if any word comes out of my mouth that's not from you, that you would just blow it away with the wind of the air, God. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear. I pray that you'd give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. All right, do we have scripture working on the screen? Guys in the back, is the scripture gonna work? All right, so this is what we're gonna do. I just wanna, I don't know if I should apologize for this, but I'm going to. I love to preach with a ton of scripture. Maybe so much that it's gonna be a little bit hard for you to turn in your Bible there that fast, but our main text today is Mark 5, so if you do have your Bible, please turn to it. Mark 5, starting in verse 21. What we're gonna do is I wanna read through this entire passage, and then we're gonna come back and kind of break it down. So hang with me. We're fixing to read a lot of scripture. Starting in verse 21, Mark 5. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came to the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult of those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. <laughs> but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. All right, now look up here for a sec. If you guys have your pens out, I want you to write this down. Number one, the first key to your miracle is you have to humble yourself. 
You have to humble yourself. Verse 22, if we can go back to it. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus was his name, and he fell at the feet of Jesus. Now, let's talk about Jairus for a moment. You know, Jairus isn't talked about very much. Matter of fact, this may be one of the only texts. I'm not a scholar like Michael Carter, so I couldn't tell you, but I can guarantee it's not very much that the name Jairus is mentioned in the New Testament. But we do know this. Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. He was a prominent man. He was a man of stature and authority. I bet you that most of the people knew who Jairus was. They may not have known Jairus, but they knew who he was. He was a, a, a prominent man in the community. And so this, and he was wealthy too because he had servants because later in the story they came and, and told him that his daughter was dead. So uh, we have a wealthy, he's not a beggar, he's not homeless, he's a prominent man in the community. And the prominent, wealthy man comes, finds the Son of God, who doesn't have a good reputation, by the way, probably in all the synagogues, and falls at his feet. I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's no small thing that he did, to fall at the feet of Jesus with a man of his stature. He sought Jesus out. The first key to your miracle is you've got to humble yourself. Amen? All right, number two. The second step to your miracle is don't freak out. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, hey, don't freak out. That's right. Don't freak out. <laughs> don't freak out when your miracle gets interrupted. You know, God's timing is not our timing. Come on. But I tell you what he is. He is an on-time God. Sometimes I just don't understand his timing in the least bit, but I have given up on trying to figure out because I know that his ways are not my ways. Come on. His thoughts are not my thoughts. He is higher than me. He is greater than me. He is smarter than me. He is wiser than me. He is an on-time God every single time. The second step to your miracle is don't freak out if your miracle gets interrupted. Mark 5.23 says, And he begged him earnestly, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went. That's good news. Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, a certain woman with a flow of blood for 12 years who had suffered many things that think this is key too. She'd spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So when she heard about Jesus, she came and behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately, she was healed. So verse 23, I want, I want to give you a key, what I think is a key uh, phrase. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Now, did it say my little daughter was given six months by the doctor? Nope. My little daughter probably has a couple of weeks. Nope. My little daughter lies at the point 
of death. To me, that means maybe within the hour, maybe before, like at any moment, my little, and by the way, she's 12 years old. The 12-year-old daughter lies at the point of death, and here we have a woman who has been sick for as long as Jay Iris's daughter has been alive. She's 12 years old. This woman has been sick for 12 years. I, I would just imagine that, you know, we can pretend that, like, if this was you and your little 12-year-old daughter was at the point of death and you had gone to the trouble to seek out Jesus, you fell at his feet, you're on your way to your miracle, which is awesome, you're going, and then here's this woman who's been sick for 12 years. She spent all she had. She's probably not going to get any better. Come on. You can be super spiritual and lie to me this morning and say, well, I'd have probably just said, you know, Jesus, just take your time. It's okay. Because, I I mean, I know my daughter could already be dead. But this woman's been sick for 12 years. You might as well stop and take some time with her. And, you know, what you're going to do is pray and all that stuff. Is that what you would have said? You'd have been like, Yo, she's been sick all her life. My daughter's fixing to die now. You come back to her later. Come on. And those of you who said you wouldn't, stop lying in the house of God. Come on. Huh. I would have probably freaked out. But don't freak out. God is an on-time God. Somebody say amen. Are y'all still with me? Number three, are you hanging or are you touching? You say, I don't even know what that means. Well, let me tell you what it means. Verse 30 says, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I love this right here. But his disciples said to him, I could see Daryl DeLoach saying this to me. His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? Like, you must be off your rocker, Jesus. What do you mean, who touched you? There's probably a hundred. What's a multitude? I can guarantee it's at least a hundred people. Come on, are we in agreement with that today? There's a lot of people thronging, touching, rubbing shoulders with Jesus, and you say, who touched me? I just want to say today, there was a lot of people that day, that moment, rubbing shoulders with the Christ. But there was only one person in the crowd that touched God. And I'm asking you, do you think that's kind of like church maybe sometimes? A room full of people rubbing shoulders with the Christ and, and thronging and glad to be around them. But how many people are reaching out and touching God? Because let me tell you, he knew who it was. He knew that someone had reached out more than just in the physical, more than just rubbing shoulders. Someone had reached out and touched him. I'm asking you today, friend, are you touching God when you have the chance? Or are you just hanging out? It's awful quiet in the room. Come on. There's a difference between hanging and touching. I want to touch him. Oh, how I want to touch him. 
Number four, bad news. Don't be discouraged when you get bad news. There's been some bad news going around on here lately. Come on. I'm sick of bad news. Come on. I hate bad news. But let me tell you, J. Iris got some bad news that day. But that didn't keep him from his miracle. Don't be discouraged by bad news. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I want you to put yourself in that situation. Your baby, your 12-year-old baby, whom you went to all that trouble for and was on your way to your miracle. And some lady who's been sick all her life interrupted the whole journey. And your servant comes and tells you, why bother the teacher any further? Your daughter is already dead. Have you ever heard that voice speak to you? Some of you in this place this morning may say, well, that's just the voice of reality. Because after all, she really was dead. I mean, after all, she did not have a pulse. After all, her heart had stopped beating. She wasn't breathing. The voice of reality says she is dead, right? Is that, was that the facts? In the natural, that 12-year-old little girl had expired. But let me tell you something today. <laughs> My God and your God is not a God of the natural, but I serve and you serve a God of the supernatural. Come on. I'm telling you, the natural <laughs> may not mean one thing to a God of the supernatural. Come on. Aren't you happy today that we don't serve a God of the natural, but we serve a God of the supernatural? I'm telling you, I need a supernatural God in this natural world to get me through. Come on. He says we can live a victorious life. He has called us to live victoriously. And I'm telling you, in order to live victoriously, we have to go past the natural and we have to tap in to the supernatural of God. I serve a supernatural God. Come on. Mm. Are y'all with me? Y'all love this story? I love this story. Don't be discouraged by bad news. It takes faith to connect to the supernatural. I'm telling you today that that voice that came and spoke to Jairus and said, why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter is dead was actually, <laughs> it was a spirit prophesying doom, gloom, despair, and hopelessness to Jairus. Jairus had a choice, friend. Was he going to believe that? Is he going to believe that spirit? Some of you in this room today, see, you've, you've heard that voice whisper to you. You've been praying for your son or your daughter that has strayed from the Lord, and you've been praying and you've been believing God that they would return unto the Lord and serve him again. And 
they make another stupid decision, which we all, well, we all still do, actually, and the voice comes to you, and he says, you know, they're just going to have to find them on their own. Why bother, why bother anymore? Why, why pray anymore? Some of you have heard that. Let me tell you, some of you recently in this room have heard that about a disease in your own life. There's people in this room that have been, my friends in this room have been told, you will not live. And I'm telling you that voice can come to you and say, why bother the teacher any further? You're going to miss your kids getting married. You're going to miss your kids growing up. Your spouse is going to be left to do it alone. I'm telling you that is a voice prophesying doom, gloom, despair, and hopelessness, and it is not from God. You need to learn, learn to recognize. Come on. <laughs> we need more black people in this church. I tell you, <laughs> my best friends were black in college. I, I love me some. We need some color. There's some. Yeah, I learned to recognize. Sorry. That rabbit trail just came on out. I am so sorry. <laughs> All right, number five. This is my favorite part of the story. Verse 36. Actually, let's start in 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? <laughs> As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. I love that because over on one side, you have Jesus and a woman who's been sick forever and a multitude and a lot of commotion and noise and who touched me? Who, what do you mean who touched you? You see all these people? All this is going on. On the other side of the road over here, you've got Jay Iris trying not to freak out, waiting patiently for his miracle. Come on. He's waiting. His servant comes and says, why bother the teacher anymore? She's already dead. Jesus, clear over here with his supernatural ears, come on, in this multitude with the lady with the issue of blood and all this going on and who touched me, he hears the servant on the other side of the road. He hears him say, why bother the teacher anymore? And it says, as soon as Jesus heard the word, he looked and he said, Jairus, don't fear, only believe. I love that because I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God is shouting down from the heavens to you today and to me today, and he is saying, do not fear, only believe. It is faith that connects us to God or to the supernatural, and it is fear and unbelief that will steal our miracle right out from under us. Come on. Do not fear, only believe. Woo. I'm telling you, if my knee felt better, I'd jump up and down and shout for that. 
Do not fear, only believe. I'm telling you, that's a word from God to you today. You want to know what's God saying to you? Well, I'll tell you what he's saying to you. He's saying, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Number six. If faith is our connection to God, fear is our disconnection. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Does it say without faith, you're only going to get 50% of the results? Without faith, you can kind of connect to God? Nope, doesn't say any of that. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm going to continue the verse. For he, com- for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Faith is what will connect you, and fear is what will disconnect you. Faith is what will plug you in. Come on. Fear is what will pull your plug. I want you to look at your neighbor and I say, he's trying to pull my plug. You tell him. He's trying to pull. Look at your other neighbor and tell them, too, he's trying to pull your plug, too. If faith is like being plugged into the power socket of God, fear will pull your plug. Now, men, let me see your hands. Are there any married men in the house? Come on, raise your hands. All right, you can put them down. I have an extra today, and this is totally for free, but let me tell you, I have brought something up on this stage that will help your marriage. Now, we all know that I'm no marriage expert by any stretch of the imagination. My wife can testify to that all day long right over there. However, I have brought something on this stage, and young, young men over here on my far right, you need to listen to me. I brought a tool today that later on when you get married, this is going to help your marriage. You got me? Okay. It is a proven fact, according to marriage experts, of which I am not, that this particular tool will make you more attractive to your wife. Now, I don't know, but I need all the help I can get. Come on. Is anyone by myself? So this particular tool will make you more attractive to your spouse. That's for free. Are you all ready? Here's the unveiling of the attraction tool. That's right. That, my friend, is a vacuum cleaner. And men, if you have not used one, you need to get it out. And you need to turn that thing on, and you need to start using it. And you just wait and see what happens in your house. But let me tell you something about this vacuum. It will only work if it is plugged in to the power socket. You got it? Bam. Attraction is coming. Floors are getting cleaned. It is happening right now in my house, right? Okay, now watch this. 
It doesn't matter what buttons I push. It doesn't matter how much I wheel that thing around, all that stuff. It is impossible for it to fulfill its designed purpose, what it was created to do without being plugged into that power socket. And I'm telling you today, it is impossible for you to fulfill your destiny and do what God Almighty has born you to do on this earth without being plugged into the socket of God through faith. Come on. I'm telling you, we must, we must be plugged in to the supernatural in order to fulfill our destiny and do what we were created to do. And there is one thing that wants to pull your plug. And his name, by the way, it's a, it's a spirit and it's fear. Fear wants to pull your plug. Fear wants to pull your son's plug. Fear wants to pull your daughter and your spouse's plug. It wants to disconnect you from the things of God. And just like Jesus told Jairus, he caught his ear from the other side, and he said, Jairus, do not fear, only believe. If we are going to walk victoriously in this land, if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be, a light set on a hill, not hidden under a lampstand. If you are going to fulfill your destiny, the thing that God made you for, you are going to have to recognize when this spirit is at work in your life. Pastor Jeff has already taught us how to deal with this spirit. How do you deal with the spirit of fear? I tell you how you deal with it. You speak the word. You speak the word. That thing comes and starts prophesying doom, gloom, hopelessness, and despair. I'm telling you, you don't just say, oh, that's a spirit of fear. You're going to have to leave. You're going to have to. You do not say that. I'm going to tell you what you say. You say 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So when Fox News comes on and whatever, whoever wins the election, and, and they start telling you they're going to do this and that, and that spirit of fear comes to you and prophesies and says, well, your kids ain't going to grow up saying America, you knew, and this and that, and that, I don't even know how you, and you go to the doctor, and they give you a, a death sentence, and you go, to, you go to work tomorrow, and they're like, you know, we don't need you anymore, and this and that, and and. All these things, life happens, and that spirit of fear starts prophesying to you. You rise up in the name of the Lord, and you say, no, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. That is how you overcome this demonic spirit. That is how you live victoriously, free from this influence of this spirit in the earth. Amen? Let's stand to our feet this morning. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do one more worship song. Every Sunday morning, every single Sunday, we're going to do three things at the church at Bushland. Every single Sunday, we're going to worship together. We're going to open the word together.
and we're going to pray together. There is a fallacy that this altar is for joining the church, which, by the way, if you're here today and you're looking for a home church, I'm telling you, this is the best church I've ever been in in my life. I love this church, and if you need a home church, this is, this is your place. So it is for that. And there's another fallacy that says that this altar is for people who need to get saved. And I'm, I am telling you, if you are here today and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you have completely 100% surrendered your life, do not leave this place today without coming up and giving your life to Christ. It is by far the best decision you will ever, ever, ever make. <laughs> The Bible says today is the day the Lord has made. It didn't say tomorrow. It's, it is not promised that one of us in this room will even take a breath tomorrow morning. Today is the day. Do not let today pass without giving your life to Christ if that's you. So the altar is for that. But more, more broader across the room, the altar is so we can pray with one another. So we can agree. The Bible says that there is power in agreement. We're going to have some people standing up front. Let me tell you something. If you struggle with what we're talking about today, if you struggle with fear just gripping you and, and, and influencing your life, influencing your kid's life, don't sit out there and say, well, that's me, praise God. I, I'm just going to try to recognize and overcome that. Let us, let us agree with you today. If there really is power and agreement, then let us just simply agree with you today that fear would be bound and cast out of your home and your lives and your mind in the name of Jesus. And let us also agree with you that faith, a new measure of faith would begin to arise in your life today. Okay? So we're going to do another worship song. If you're not coming to the front, I'm asking you to worship like it's just like the worship service. But please do not hesitate to come to this altar this morning. Let's pray. If our altar workers can go ahead and come. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that we we just want to ask this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through the message? What are you saying to me through this word? And God, I pray that this word would not fall on deaf ears today, but it would do what it is intended to do, and it would hit its mark. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. All right.